Well, it is Christmas Day, and our theme this year for Advent has been the names of Christ. So the last sermon of the year is going to be on the names of Jesus Christ. If we are going to go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born, the question is, uh, who is it that we're talking about? If we're going to go tell everybody who Jesus is, who is he? And we've been focusing on many of the names of Christ, Emmanuel, the light of the world, the Messiah, Christ, the Good Shepherd. We will light that candle at the end of the sermon today, and then the Prince of Peace. You can learn a lot about a person from their name, and there are some pretty awesome names in the world and some pretty crazy names in the world, too. Do you know Hollywood people are kind of known for giving their babies crazy names? Do you know that? Here is a list of the craziest names Hollywood people have given to their babies. These are real names of Hollywood babies, okay? Ace, Newt, Audio Science, Banjo, Bear Blaze, if you are expecting, consider Bear Blaze, Blue Ivy, Gravity Kid, Moon Unit, Rocket Spec, and of course, Tomorrow. Hey, there's your ideas. Weird names, am I right? Am I right? Now, Jesus has, has a lot of names in the Bible. In fact, if you brought it out to kind of names and titles and descriptions, there's about 200 different things Jesus is called in the Bible. Maybe you have a decoration at home. Here's a picture of a decoration that sometimes you see on your wall with the names of what Jesus will be called, right? Now, I've got to tell you, though, these decorations often leave out many of the names of Jesus. There are some surprising names of Jesus in the Bible as well. Here's a list of some of the more surprising names of Jesus in the Bible. The Ancient of Days, the Bread of Life, the Door of Sheep, the Ladder to Heaven, Shoot from the Stump, New Wine, Horn of Salvation, and I love this one, a Cypress Tree, which is used as Christmas trees around the world. Jesus has a lot of names in the Bible, and what we are going to see today is that the names of Jesus reveal his glory and his identity. They give us reason to worship him. So we're going to look at three names of Jesus today. Let's pray before we get into God's word together. Lord Jesus, we give you glory because you are the King of kings, you are the Lord of lords. You were born king. So we exalt you and pray that you would bless us as we are in your word one last time this year. We pray that you would reveal your glory to us in your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to be all around the Bible this morning, but if you take good notes, you could write some of these verses down. The first thing you can write down, the first of the names of Jesus is this. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. That's our final name that we're going to light the candle for later at the end of the sermon. But Jesus is the good shepherd. John 10, 14 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Jesus is a good shepherd. What does that mean? That means that he's the only one who can guide you safely through this life on into the next life. He is the good shepherd. When it comes to God being referred to as a shepherd, you know the Old Testament has a lot of places where God is, is kind of referred to as a lot of things, like a king and even a shepherd. Psalm 23, David talked about how the Lord is my shepherd. And here's a picture of a shepherd. When it comes to who God is, wow, he is a loving God who's close and careful, caring, and he watches over his sheep. Here's another picture. We have a good shepherd for a God. And therefore, Jesus came down and he said, I am that to you. But do you know what that means? That means here's a picture of us. We are that. We are all just that. It doesn't matter 
how long you've lived. It doesn't matter how many letters you have after your name because of degrees. It doesn't matter what board you're on or how much money is in your portfolio. You are just a fragile farm animal. And Jesus must guide you safely on to eternity. Jesus is the good shepherd. We are sheep. We're sheep, and each one of us has lost our way. And Jesus came down to bring us back into the flock of God. Jot this down. Hear his voice and follow him forever. Hear his voice and follow him forever. John 10, 27 says, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That's a picture of faith. It means you have heard from heaven. That's that's this. You have heard from heaven. You know this is a heavenly message that came down to you. And you've heard from heaven the voice of the shepherd calling you to himself. My sheep hear my voice. There's so many voices out there today calling out to you, trying to promise you satisfaction in this life, glory, prosperity, and maybe even safe passage into the next life. But there's only one voice you should be listening to. That is the voice of the good shepherd. Have you heard his voice? Is your entire life one step after another in the direction of the voice of the good shepherd? That's what Psalm 23 is all about, isn't it? My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. When it comes to following the voice of Christ, we have to understand that we are following him back to God. We have been so far away from God from the moment we were born. We were so far away from God that Jesus had to call us back into the flock of God. Do you know how essential it is that you know that's where you started with God? And it doesn't matter how old you are right now. You have to realize at some point in life that you are so far from God. There is a grand canyon of separation between you and God. If you think you've just always known God, you don't know the Bible. Because the Bible says you are far from him. Your sins have separated you from him. So the shepherd must call you back. When it comes to being far away, of course, one of the best Christmas movies is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Am I right? How many of you have watched that movie so already? This Christmas, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. The Grinch is so far away from Whoville, right? Well, like such a distance, up on a mountain, living in the cold, far away. And there's all this angry, grumpy stuff in his heart. I saw a funny video of what would happen if the Grinch went to a yoga class. Do you want to see it? Here's what happened if the Grinch went to yoga. Release all of those sounds that are trapped in your mind. <coughs> Sir, are you okay? I'm a little messed up. <laughs> it's all inside of him. He had to get it all out. Now look, when you believe what the Bible says, you know that there's a lot of sin in your heart and you're so far from God and you have to be brought back to God by the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. If you think you've just been, all, God's always been there, right there with, I've been with him and he's been with me. Well, then what do you need a shepherd for? You see, you have to agree with God that you were so far away from him, the shepherd had to come down and bring you back. Have you heard his voice do you follow him? And are you planning to follow him forever? My goodness, in Psalm 23, it says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. That's the good shepherd. Jot this down. Believe he laid down his life to save you. This image of a shepherd is an image of sacrifice. In John 10, 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life 
for the sheep. Do you know what that means? That means that you had a giant problem. You had a huge enemy, sin and death and Satan, and the shepherd had to come down. And here's the thing, the shepherd didn't just chase off the wolves. The shepherd didn't just scare death away. The shepherd actually was killed for you and me so that we could get away. The shepherd laid down his life so that you and I could go free. It's like a shepherd pulling the animals out of the very clutches and mouth of death itself, laying down his life so that we could live. That is the good shepherd. He laid down his life to save you. Jesus was surrounded by shepherds when he was born on Christmas. And that idea of being shepherded by God is how you should live every day of your life. I have a good shepherd. He is walking me through this day. He loves me so much, he laid down his life for me. He's going to take perfect care of me. He's got his rod and his staff. He's got his staff for when I need a gentle nudge back on the road, and he's got his rod when I need a thump on the head. Or when something comes after me, he's got his rod and his staff. They protect me. Even if I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because he is with me. Is that your faith? Is that your faith? He'll shepherd you every day of your life, especially when you're afraid, upset, angry, nervous, or hurt. Jesus is the good shepherd. Now, number two, you can write this down. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. He is the light the world needs from heaven. In John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to them saying this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Hey, let's face it. The world is a dark and a dangerous place, full of despair, full of violence, strangers everywhere, wicked people, liars, thieves, Cheaters, haters, creeps, and thugs, they're all around out there. But we have to face an even more painful reality. Our hearts are also dark and dangerous places, aren't they? Our hearts are full of sin and pride and fear and regret and envy and jealousy and bitterness and greed and even despair. Our hearts can be full of darkness And so we need light all around us, and we need light deep within us, and Jesus is the light of the world. I know when I was talking about how bad the world was, you were like, amen! But when I started talking about how bad we were, you were kind of like, oh, am I really that bad? We like to point out the sins of others, not so excited about pointing out our own sins. We kind of blame other people for our sins. I saw a picture of a cat who got in trouble. Here's a picture, and the cat, uh, here's the caption. You won't believe what just happened. The tree just passed out. Now, we all know what really happened. The cat did it, but uh, not going to admit it. That's kind of the way we are with God. We don't like to admit that we are also part of the problem of sin in the world, that we also add to the darkness of this world around us. And so Jesus is the light, not just for all those wicked people out there, but for all of the sin and darkness within us. When it comes to this image of light and darkness, you can write this down. We're supposed to exit the darkness we love. We are supposed to exit the darkness we love. The Bible says that we love darkness. That's like our native kingdom. That's where we start. And the idea of darkness, you know, the shepherd showed us we were far from God. 
the darkness shows us that we can't see God. We can't see God without Jesus, the light of the world. So we, we can try our whole lives without Jesus and try and find our way to God. Many people do. They try many different roads to God and none of them work. They might find something that resembles a spiritual experience. They might find some emotions or experiences that seem to connect them with the spiritual realm, but they're still in the darkness. It's only in Christ, the light of the world, that we can see God. Jesus is the light of the world. So we have to exit the darkness we love. John 3.19 says this, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness, rather than the light, because their works were evil. Now, we generally don't love darkness physically, because it's scary. So this is talking about spiritual darkness, and that should be even more scary to you than physical darkness. Now, I know what you experienced this past week. We all did. Crazy weather. Am I right? The forecasts were so doomsday. Here's a picture of some of the headlines surrounding the weather this week. Historic winter blast batters USA. And get this, one million people woke up Friday morning without power. No light for one million people on Friday morning. Cold as Christmas, storm chaos, over 12,000 flights canceled, delayed, travelers stranded. Rawr. Now, physically, look what happens when the weather creates chaos. There's darkness. People are far from home. It's just carnage out there, right? The Bible will draw from physical chaos like this to show us our true spiritual condition. You know, you think a bomb cyclone is scary. I had to look that up because they're like, a bomb cyclone is coming. And I'm like, oh, no. What is it? (laughs) I didn't know. Sudden drop in atmospheric pressure, wild wind, freezing temperature, blizzard conditions. You won't be able to see the road, they told us. That was scary. Now look, when you take something physically in the outer world that's terrifying, you're supposed to actually then learn in the spiritual realm. It's even more scary than that. It's even darker. It's even more chaotic. You can end up much farther from home, from God, from heaven than ever before. That's why we need the light of the world. Man, if weather has chaotic power to ruin our weekend, how about the forces of darkness? They can ruin you forever. Do you see our need for Christ? We have to leave the darkness of sin and selfishness and follow Jesus, the light of the world. That's why he came down. 1 Peter 2.9 says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Jot this down. We have to follow the light of heaven. Follow the light of heaven. Have you left the darkness of sin and selfishness and is Jesus your only well-lit path forward? We love lights around Christmas. How many of you went to see the, the houses that are all lit up in the area around here? There's like four or five of them. Did you drive around? How many of you went to go see them? Anybody go downtown to see the lights this year? That's an even bigger quest, right? We went out. We went out to see some of the lights. Check it out. This was us seeing some of the local lights. One house had a sign outside that said, we spend as much money on fog for our fog machine than we do electricity in December. 
People put a lot of money into making their houses like the house to see, full of lights, because that's what Christmas is all about, right? Now, do you understand that in the spiritual realm, there's darkness, and we need light to find our way out of the kingdom of sin? The love that we have for lights on the, in the external world should point us to our need for light in the internal world. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says this, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Now that's creation, right? Let there be light. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you realize how profound this verse is? The light of creation, the light that shone into our entire universe came from heaven. That is the very light that shines from the face of Christ. He's divine. He is the divine light of this dark and fallen world. That's what makes him the only one that you can follow safely onto God's glory. I like what John MacArthur said. He said this, It is staggering for me, to perceive that the Lord Jesus Christ is the glory of the Lord revealed to us. More staggering to grasp that he is the glory of the Lord revealed for us, it is most staggering of all to understand that he's the glory of God revealed in us. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Do you realize when you trust Christ as Savior and Lord, the very divine light of heaven that filled the universe with light from the beginning fills your heart forever? That's great news. In the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So first, Jesus is the good shepherd. Hear his voice and follow him forever. Believe he laid down his life to save you. And second, Jesus is the light of the world. Exit the darkness you love, follow the light of heaven, and then third, you can write this down, Jesus is Christ the Lord. Jesus is Christ the Lord. We go back to our passage in the book of Luke that we read last night and the night before, but it says in Luke 2.8, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear." The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, I love that. In the Greek, there's a compound word, and it means mega joy, mega joy. What do you think mega joy sounded like? I want to hear it. One, two, three, let me hear it. Now, that sounded like minor joy. But it didn't sound like mega joy. I'm going to give you another chance. What did it sound like? One, two, three. <laughs> hey, heaven did that. Heaven did that on Christmas night. Wow. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. Here it is. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Well, what does that mean? Christ the Lord, it was a title of God. The Lord is a title of God, the supreme authority over all creation, all humanity, all time, forever, and authority over you is given to Christ the Lord. Jesus is Christ the Lord. And I love how Tim Keller reflects on this. He said this, Christmas is the end of thinking that you are better than someone else because Christmas is telling you that you could never get to heaven on your own. God had to come to you. 
You have a Savior, Christ the Lord, who came down to rescue you and 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 you. And if you're like, not me, you don't get Christmas. So we're not better than anybody else. We need Jesus, who is Christ the Lord. So jot this down. Crown him as your king. Crown him as your king. We don't really like kings in this country other than the Burger King because, you know, history with monarchy. But we watch the royals. There's a lot of programs about them on Netflix. And when England got a new king, many Americans tuned in to see it. The idea of an earthly king to us is like, eh. But the idea of a king in heaven should be the longing of your heart. You should want Jesus to be the king of heaven forever. When people imagine heaven and describe it, they kind of talk about it like it's their own personal little paradise. Like, oh, I'm going to have this kind of house with this kind of drapes, and my heaven's going to have this kind of animals. And I, I kind of say to myself, I don't think you understand. Heaven's not yours. Okay, it's, it's, it's his. You're on his land. Heaven is a kingdom that belongs to another, a worthy king. It's not your own personal Chip and Joanna fixer up or home that you get to decorate for all time. All right, it's not, listen, it's not yours. Heaven is not yours. It's his, and he's king there, and therefore he has to welcome you into his kingdom. Have you crowned him as your king? The wise men traveled a thousand miles, got into the Bible, and had one line. Where is the one who is born king? Have you ever asked that question? Where is the one who was born king? Is Jesus your king? Have you come to worship him? And jot this down. Serve him with all your strength. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Serve him with all of your strength. Our king will return soon. Will you be ready when Jesus comes back to rule forever? Jesus is the Lord, and the Bible is clear. The door will close very shortly and very quickly and permanently, and either you're in or you're out. I found this video online of an old door in like a great palace closing. Check it out. Hey, that's the end of your story. My question for you is, are you in or out? Are you in or are you out? One last story. I told this story before, but Lauren and I went to a restaurant once, and the dinner was terrible. They got everything wrong. The dinner was wrong. It wasn't cooked right. The silverware was dirty. There was music that was way too loud. They charged us for dessert and then didn't even bring it out. They did every single thing wrong. So I went up to the manager. It was very busy, long line. I went up to the manager, and I said, you did everything wrong. And he goes, what? And I told him every single thing they did wrong. And everyone in line was listening to this. And I was like, do you think I should pay this bill? And he's like, no. I decided to use it as a teachable moment and to share my faith with him. So I said, you're right. I shouldn't pay this bill. Are you a Christian? I'll never forget. He went like this. <laughs> what? <laughs> Maybe this is you. I said, all right, well, I, I am, and I want you to never forget, I'm going to pay this bill, and I'm going to give a great tip, because, because this is a Bible word called grace. I'm going to give you something you could never deserve, because you ruined the whole night. 
This is grace, and I, I want you to know that this is the only way you're going to get into heaven. When someone gives you something that you will never deserve. I think he still remembers that today. Now, if I were to ask you, are you going to heaven? Are you a Christian? Is Jesus your king? Are you like, hey, look, this isn't going to get you past that door. Either you're in or you're out. And the only way you're going to get there is if you realize your whole life, you just ruined it. You didn't do it. You didn't do it right. And God had to come down to rescue you. He's going to pay off your sin, and he's going to make it possible for you to get into heaven forever. You didn't do it. Heaven's not yours. Jesus did it. Heaven is his. Are you going to heaven? Are you going to heaven? That's what Christmas is all about. Well, I want to give you a chance as we close here to receive Jesus Christ into your life. He is the good shepherd. He is the light of the world. He is Christ the Lord. So what I'm going to do is we're going to close our eyes and pray. And then after my prayer, we are going to light the final candle, the good shepherd candle. But let's close our eyes. Let's bow our hearts and let's pray. And I want to give you a chance to invite Jesus to be your king, your Lord, your light, your savior, and your shepherd. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know there are some here today, and maybe they were celebrating Christmas on the outside. They had the gifts, they had the presents, they had the food, they had the decorations, but they did not have Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords in their heart. He was not their Emmanuel, their light of the world, their Messiah, Christ, Good Shepherd, or Prince of Peace. They've been going it alone. Maybe they've known that you're out there somewhere, but they surely don't feel like you are their shepherd every day. So right now, whether they're online or in person, I want to give them a chance to pray. And it's a very simple prayer in their own hearts. It's not magic words. It's just a genuine, sincere response to the word of God. I pray that they would say this in their own hearts right now. Jesus, save me. Jesus, be my good shepherd. Jesus, be the light of my world. Jesus, be my king. Forgive me and welcome me into your kingdom forever. Thank you for coming down to rescue me. You can say this in your own soul. You can say, Jesus, I believe in you. Lord, for those who have walked with you for many years or many decades, fill us with that wonder again. Everything we need is from heaven and it's found in the manger. Jesus, you are glorious. We marvel at your love that you came down to rescue us. And we worship and praise you this morning. And it's all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We light this good shepherd candle now to remind ourselves that Jesus is taking perfect care of us now and forever.